Welcome to the Arrest or Mimics podcast with your host Ben Talon. Hello and welcome to Arrest or Mimics. My name is Ben Talon. I am your host. This is the original thinking and creative innovation podcast. Pretty chuffed right now to announce uh, last week. Let's get straight into it. I um, won Creative Agency of the Year award at Dot London, um, the inaugural Dot London Awards. And I just wanted to say a massive thank you because it's a total surprise. And I've never been a big one for sort of championing awards or going after them or chasing them. Except, you know, I'm one man. I'm not technically an agency. So it might seem a little bit dodgy, but actually um, I wrote a piece recently about sort of operating as an individual. But actually, if you're clever and you use the network around you, how you can very much carry out the projects that generally and maybe in the old world would have only gone through agencies with multiple staff. And having carried out charity campaigns and run multimedia projects with other people, it kind of made me realise that that's not the case anymore. Thanks to technology, thanks to the ability to hook up with people so much easier now, you can bring in these people with infinite skills worldwide to do the things that you cannot do but actually when you've got a vision that's the main thing and to be able to implement that you know just goes to show the fact that I'm doing this show Arrest All Mimics uh, it's a great kind of endorsement for that so when I got the nomination and uh, found out I was on the shortlist I was completely shocked because I thought well shit you know okay they're, they're accepting individuals and maybe this isn't just a freak of nature maybe this isn't just um, you know, an absolute anomaly or a, or a a secretarial error, which is what I initially thought it might be. And no, it's it's actually not. It's it's a lovely, um, massively appreciated nod to the wider work that I've been doing, thanks to, um, of course, the help of Illustration Limited, who support this podcast. They've backed me all the way. They've given me all the ideas, given me the ball to run with, and go out there and do a podcast. You know, help me to be in a position to write a book and chat all those experiences and I think it's a lovely uh, a lovely thing to get a little pat on the back for that but to go and win the thing was a, a, a complete shock um, but the reason I wanted to bring it up on this show is just to say thank you wholeheartedly to the people who supported me uh, I know for a fact that some of my regular listeners were the people who went out there and not only got me votes but said hey look at this guy's work he's doing great things maybe you should support him um, since it's a public vote so Whilst not a massive fan of the voting system, it's a huge compliment and a really heartwarming feeling to know that there are enough people out there to get me over the line against, quite frankly, agencies with you know ten times as many people working for them as me in some cases. Um, hence the shock factor. So my my head damn near fell off on the night, and um, I read this huge gasp came out my girlfriend when they called out the name. But it was a real buzz and a really nice feeling and. Like I said, awards are not something I'll be chasing too much, apart from throwing my work into some of the industry big hitters, but when they come along, it's a a truly great thing, and hopefully it can only be a boost for this show, and put me in a position to bring you even better guests on a weekly basis, which would be the ultimate, you know, the ultimate thing really, to go out and talk to people way beyond my wildest dreams, and make something special and permanent of this show, which is the idea. So enough about that, but you know, one of the one of the overriding factors in in that little victory was personality and and the way that that's being channeled into all of my projects. Or you're not going to meet a better person than Sarah Beatson, who is my guest today, and she is in uh, among many things an illustrator. Uh, she works in fashion, in design, textiles, all over the place. Sarah is to contemporary illustration probably 
what Pink Floyd are to music. Don't ask me where that came from, but I'm sat here staring at an overwhelming wall of bright colour, poppy images, vibrant people, and a truly unique identity, um, quite possibly as a unique identity as you're going to find um, in Sarah Beatson's portfolio. And it's everything that's bright and positive and great about illustration, and none of it's twee, none of it's cutesy, it's all very um, edgy, it's quite loose, it's organic, it's it's fucking wonderful, and it's, it's, that's the reason she's so popular, and the reason you'll probably already know about Sarah Beatson. But what we're going to talk about today, among any, many things, is just how did she go about getting such a personality into her work, and how did she end up, you know, literally wearing her own work, and becoming just... You know, she just embodies everything that there is to find in, in finding your true self and your organic style. She is a great flying example of that, which is why I wanted to talk to her. So we're going to find out about that. We're going to find out about why she went to Coney Island uh, on a project that was supported by people in the public domain through a crowdsourcing campaign. Uh, why she went out there to document the seaside in America and everything that comes with it, the graphics, the colours, the that whole vintage feel that goes on, the larger-than-life cartoon, cartoon uh, energy. And she's done it absolutely wonderful and pulled off this amazing project to go and actually live out you know, something that she considered a dream. So we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about Sarah's role as Head of Talent Recruitment at Illustration Limited. Now... I imagine anybody who's wanted to get representation by an agency, whether they're a designer, photographer, an illustrator, or whatever else, uh, is going to want to hear this, because we've all been down the road of peppering inboxes and trying to seek representation and just not getting anywhere, or maybe even getting the wrong agency, you know? We've all experienced kind of both negative and positive experiences in that sector. So Sarah's going to tell us a little bit about why people stand out and what they might look for in the monthly kind of recruitment meeting at Illustration Limited. So it's kind of golden advice for any students who might want to go down that road. And Sarah's going to tell us all about that. So quite excited to bring you that. Um, as ever, hit us up on the Twitter at ArrestAllNimix. Uh, super feedback on Ray Richardson. No surprise to me, Ray is a bit of a god in the painting world. So keep that coming. If you haven't already heard the show, do go and check him out. He's going to, you know, Ray tells us about all things from getting into galleries, his show coming up this week at Beaux Arts in London, which I'm really excited to get down to the private view. Uh, but aside from all that, let's, you know, let's find out about Sarah Beatson. Um, this is a lady who, at one of the Illustration Limited scrapbook live events, had a huge patchwork quilt hanging from the ceiling, and it was intricately done with all her designs and people illustrations and type and amazing colour. And without doubt was, you know, one of the big uh, attractions to visitors on the night. And she's such a, a friendly, you know, happy personality that it's just, it's incredible. And, and it's great to go and talk to her and get a feel for that. So hopefully I've brought a bit of that home to Arrest All Mimics so that you guys can enjoy. Uh, so without further ado, Sarah Beatson. Right, cool. So I'm here with Sarah Beatson, who... I'll tell you what, introduce yourself. People always do a better job than me trying to introduce people. Oh, okay then. So my name's Sarah Beatson, as Ben said. I'm an illustrator and I'm also the uh, head talents, new talent scout for Illustration Limited. Cool. 
And um, all right, the first question, and it's quite out there, but I was looking at your website earlier today and, um, and Rainbow Crusader, I love that. It jumped out and I was like, that's amazing. Who's come up with that? And that's perfect. So. I don't know who said that, and but I've got a feeling, I can't remember if somebody said it to me a while ago, but my boyfriend, Chad, built the website for me. He, he switched it from the old format, which was quite old school, over to Squarespace. And he just needed to put something like a holding thing on it while he was developing it. And yeah. he just shoved in Rainbow Crusader. I don't know where it came from. But it's, it's just perfect. stuck, and I was like, "Don't change it; it's fine." And like, I did say that about myself, so yeah. I'm quite happy to have it there. I love that I spend so much time thinking of titles for things and stupid tags for you know whatever it is. I think that a lot of my brain is dedicated to that, just coming up with silly monikers yeah. for things. And I was just like, "That's that's one of the best I've seen, and it's perfect." It's not quite as good as champagne and white crayons. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty it's actually, good. I was, I was saying on the first episode of this, coming up with titles for something like that that you've got some ownership is so hard sometimes and um that was thanks to my editor who i was like oh uh, freelance what freelance trials freelance all boring stuff he was like no that's not your artwork style and it's not your writing style like yeah so you read the first few chapters and came back with that and that's that's it you've nailed it perfect so yeah you do need that intervention definitely (laughs) definitely so your um i your illustration style is just it's something else in my in my opinion it's it's got the most personality at least as much personality as anyone else I've ever seen in illustration within a style, I think. Oh, thank you. That's I'd, really lovely to hear. It's true, and I, I don't, I don't know you that well, but when I meet you, it's just yeah, you know, it's. And I think that I think a successful style that's that's what you look for. It's it's that human touch, and that's what you invest in as a as a fan of that work or or yeah. someone who's like to commission that work. Would you agree that it, it screams you? I think so. Like, I, I think I was really lucky because I know, you know, the, they drum into you at college or on certain courses, like, you've got to find your style. And I think it's easier for people than other, than for some people than others. And it was interesting reading your book and saying that you've just got to find, you've got to put your finger on those things that interest you in life and, that, and, and about who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. And those fundamental things will, will be what drive you. And if you can bring them together, then that's great. So I would definitely say... Yeah, I um, I look, I dress like my work, and I'm, I, and it's it's me. That's just who yeah. I am. I've always been a big, a big fan of color, and and I don't know. And then I started when I was at when I was at Falmouth, and I moved away from home for the first time, and you know I was just experiencing mm. this new freedom. And most of the students that I studied with are older than me. I was the only one that didn't do. There was one other that didn't do art foundation. So everyone was at least a year older, if not a few years older. Lots of foreign students that definitely had a an effect and, and an influence on me. And um, and I started buying fashion magazines and just sort of going but more like the idea in the face and and the days sort of fashion magazines and just sort of going why why would you not want to just dress like these photo mm. shoots all the time why why would you just wear normal clothes when you could just do this and yeah. you know screw what anyone thinks sort yeah. of thing so that's that's kind of where that came from and it and it's and it started to feed into my work from there I would say mm. Yeah. I'm always intrigued by people's early influences because it does. It comes. It comes through, and I think you people often stifle that and, and think that it's almost guilty, a guilty pleasure, something that they shouldn't be doing. You know, yeah. they should be studying instead, or they should be working. And, and yeah. people sort of distancing those two things. I think that's a, a critical mistake for a lot I of people when they stray from what's naturally them. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so where is home? So home is for the last sort of. Well, I've been in Australia pretty much 
well, not really full time, but that's where I've been for the last sort of nine, nearly ten mm. years. Um, and I originally lived in Melbourne for four years, and then I, and then I moved up to my boyfriend's family's property, which is a farm. Yeah. So it's in southeast Queensland. It's between Brisbane and the Gold Coast, and um, we've got a little converted dairy shed that we live in. Um, it's pretty bushy. Yeah. You get snakes in there in the summer and all sorts <laughs> that just come in through the holes in the walls and things. But it's it's amazing. Like it's subtropical. It's sunny all the time. Yeah. Um, opposite of growing up in northern England. Yeah. Whereabouts <laughs> and, um, northern England? Cheshire. Cheshire. Northwich. Yeah. Yeah. Heard, same place where Danny went to college, actually. Yeah. 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 Um, and, um, yeah, so I originally just went on a one-year working holiday, which Harry and the agency were so happy for me to do because it was when Skype had just sort of started getting mm. being used and the internet was so good and I, and I sort of went on a quick visit to Australia and then, um, and then sort of came back and went, if I could live in Melbourne, it would be a third of the living costs of living in London, which at that point it was. And I was like, hmm, how am I going to do this? And Harry was just like, I think you can work from anywhere. And yeah. he was so supportive. Yeah. So I was really, really lucky that I could do that. And in a way, a bit like you said in your book, sometimes being there from an illustration commission point of view is kind of good because when a brief's coming in and it's the end of play here, <laughs> it's the start of play there. So you've got a whole day instead of having to work through the night where you can do stuff. Yeah. So yeah. that helps definitely. But yeah, but I do travel a lot as well. Yeah. So I I spend three to six months a year overseas. I come back here, and um and I, the last two years I've spent quite a lot of time in New York as yeah. well. So is that is it a deliberate choice to travel, or is it just is it the way your life's taken you? It's I think it's sort of it started off as a deliberate thing, but by living where I do and living in a situation where I don't have a lot of overheads. Um, or a lot of rent or anything because I've got such a low cost um, sort of option I'm able to do it and also because I live in the country and my work is probably quite inspired by people Mm. and I don't think I live in the city anymore though but I definitely would say a lot of my ideas come from the city so I think I, I sort of consciously need to seek it out and sort of go to museums and galleries and do all of that stuff and then take that all back and then have total solitude and, yeah. and create because when I lived in cities I found I was not really distracted but I'd, I'm definitely more productive now and I think it's good to have a separation between doing the things that inspire you and then actually putting them onto yes. paper and, I think it is like you say yeah. it's good to take them away almost and, and yeah. work on them somewhere in, in, in a quiet situation so do you think that the contrast of places benefits your influence you know the work your, your output I think so yeah I, th- I think yeah, I think the the sort of the noise and the urban side of things is so different to to the quiet of living in the country. Yeah, it, I I think so definitely. And, and as I say, like when I lived in Melbourne, I lived in sort of Melbourne suburbs, not really in town. And my studio window looks out onto like a a wall and like the back end of another house, and mm. there's no space. And and now like I can, if I'm fit, having a bit of a day where I'm not sure, you know, I'm not not feeling in something I just walk out and I've got my pet chickens and I've got my <laughs> my wallaby neighbour that comes wow. and hangs out in the studio yeah. and you know and it's just a whole different thing it's really yeah. good and I've got really used to having nature around as well and then I miss it when I'm here but then when I go mm-hmm. home I miss just being able to walk down the road for a coffee and yeah. you know and all that stuff so yes yeah. bit yeah, of a balance different. yeah because yeah, I know that we had Danny Ellison on the first episode um, mm. of the rest of mimics and um he, I know Danny stayed with you guys in, in Australia when, they, when, when he, he travelled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's really good having him. I love that. Yeah, he's such a character. He is, he is. <laughs> but um, for anyone who's not seen Sarah's work, I think you'll know, check it out. But it's 
that that fashion influence is it's in it's in there to turn up to ten and it's fantastic. Like the, your color palette is, I don't know what the, what's the right word to describe <laughs> it, but it's vibrant as hell. It's it's incredible and it's you can't help but kind of smile when you look at your portfolio. You know, it's like, and there's um I noticed there's a, a kind of strong presence of, of people. Uh, animals and footwear yeah <laughs> what's the footwear thing are you do you just like sort of fashion or do you know it... what it's i think it's one of those things that i know like i think some people say it as you get pigeonholed doing stuff but i think sometimes you just you sort of naturally fall into being to just drawing certain things but for me it started i used to do quite a lot of um like record covers for bands when I was living in London but just like small bands you know signed to small labels and mm. stuff just as the music industry was really changing and MySpace was taking off and everything else and um and there was this one band that I used to illustrate all their covers and they used to produce little um limited edition seven inch singles and stuff and so they looked amazing and um and then this one single they just they just got a record deal like a smallish record deal um and um, and so I went ahead and produced the third cover and all the others had been sort of faces and stuff and people. And we had this idea because it was called Stutter and Dance to, to have like feet on a dance floor. So I did all these drawings and then the record label decided they wanted to change the whole look and whatever else. They didn't use it. But um, I think it was like, it was a, a stock image company or something got hold of it, got me to do a whole load of others and they all got sold off to like, Traded Joe's and Ikea and, and they suddenly I suddenly realised that like there's actually loads of licensing for pictures of shoes uh, which is fine because it sort of semi gives me a licence to buy the shoes I like and then photograph <laughs> them which which helps yeah because um, it's not like I would say it's, yeah, it's not easy drawing something that's quite three-dimensional like that unless you've seen it I think I always work from reference but mm. it's quite different having a photo of something when you haven't actually seen the dimensions of that shoe yeah. so it does give me you know, like a bit of a licence to buy my shoes that's fantastic isn't it yeah that's a dream of any shoes it's part of it yeah I've really thought about it like that before but it's de definitely part of it and whenever I go and get another new pair of like vintage docks I'm like brilliant might be able to offset that if I can put it in a picture yeah it's <laughs> incredible and and so I guess you're a big animal lover I am yeah oh, and I think I've become more so from living in the country and like I, my, my latest thing is I really well it's not it's been a thing for a while I'd really like to have a dog mm. and we used to have a farm dog but sadly she got old and passed away she yeah, was so was sweet too, such good company yeah. yeah so but the problem is i travel so much and i wouldn't yes. wouldn't be content with a little dog i'd have to have a, yeah have nothing that'll go in a handbag dog. yeah <laughs> no not, in, not into them. um so yeah but no I, I don't know and i love i love weird animals and i've always had a bit of a thing for flamingos and i think it's because they're sort of really elegant but at the same time they're really sort of awkward and like mm. and really clumsy and yeah yeah <laughs> uh. that's really cool so okay what, what what i mean have you always been that colorful i was actually i was looking at your website and i was i'm always quite fascinated to see the earliest kind of recognizable images of a person's current style or what yeah. it's evolved to become and me and danny always used to when we shared a studio you we would take the piss out of each other constantly for, we'd dig up on google images our earliest commissions <laughs> and kind of like this <laughs> bad commission tennis it was yeah. hilarious and um but I, I loved, I was reading up on your bio and, and when you graduated, the um, the, ten, the vintage tennis and skiing. Oh, have you paintings. seen those? Yeah. Because I don't, I don't think I've got them on, on my site. Oh, maybe I, maybe I do on yeah, the bio section, bio, don't yeah. I? And, yeah. and they're so fascinating. Um, I, I suggest anyone who's a fan of Sarah's work to actually have a look in the bio section because I, 
but you can still see, even though they're quite a limited colour palette, very much compared to what you do now. Mm. They, um, but the influence is there. You can still see the origins of the drawing style, which is, you know always says to me that you were on the path to finding what's your natural style. Yeah. Um, so how did the what was the transformation process in, in going from you know working kind of more minimally with colour like that to to the kind of fluorescence that you tend to use now? Um, I think it was just acquiring more and more stuff and like experiment because the the way it all really started I, when I was at college I was using like several different techniques the the first year when you have to do all this like you know you have to learn how to mix colours with oils and you do all this really prescribed stuff and I was feeling really like oh, I just don't know now whether I want to do fine detail pencil drawing or if I want to use gouache and acrylic or I was completely confused and then I in a life drawing class my my teacher was like why don't you just combine it all together and I also started using blind contour drawing so that was like the basis that pinned all the other elements mm. together so I was just looked at what I had what I'd acquired from various different projects and I had a whole load of little spray paint cans and I'd started to get bits of it and I would go and raid the free cupboard at uni and just see what was there and there happened to just be a load of Windsor and Newton gouache in there and tissue paper and so I just started combining everything but I suppose when I was still a student I probably just didn't have that much stuff and and as as I went on I'd go and explore in art shops and stationery shops in random mm. places and pick up more things yeah. and the, and I think the first neon I used was an orange spray paint and I was really unsure about it and it was one of those things that you were warned off at, at, when I was at college you were warned off don't use neons they don't reproduce well but actually they do <laughs> I think like I don't know if just scanning technology has come on quite yeah. a way since then and I have got a really really good A3 Epson scanner that I got on eBay from like a company that was closing down, so I got it for like a third of what it was worth, and I've had it over ten years, and it's still going strong. Mm. But um, but that picks up the it, the only color it struggles with is neon yellow. But as long as the neon yellow has got a dark color around it, it picks it up. Okay, so that's it's it's really good. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think it was initially like being warned off. Yeah. Using and being warned off using too much color. Yeah. So and then kind of realizing that who's to say I shouldn't you know yeah. really it actually I can make it I feel like I can make mm. it work so I'm going to give it a go it's, it's funny there's almost there's always a moment when I think you realise that although your tutors you have to listen to for their experience that they're the same as the rest of us and they're going off their personal experience mm. and their opinions and that yeah. sometimes you you have to defy that and go and find out for yourself yeah you know, definitely, and, and used, definitely that's not an easy psychology to break when you're when you're studying but mm -hmm. um I think like everything else that you pick up in this in the creative world, you you just have to go out and find out for yourself and, yeah. and learn by trial and error. And like you said, yeah. finding out that it, you know with with a dark colour around it, that, yeah. that had to have happened by accident that you found totally. that, that out. Totally, that was like a shoe piece that I just stuck one of those. That's some of my work there. One of those yellow dots I'd stuck on like a dark purple background, and it and it picked it up, and I was like, oh, I've just scanned the neon yellow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and it was like, okay, so I'm just going to make sure the yellow is placed on a dark background, that's, and it'll work. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah, really interesting. Totally trying to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, one of the main projects I wanted to talk to you about was your Coney Island trip, and um, to explain that, that was mind blowing. Uh, well, I went in when at the end of my Falmouth course in 2002 the whole class went to New York and we had five days and we'd been given free use of the phones at school to just phone up it was this was just a bit before everyone was using email people were using it a bit but not much and so we were calling up magazines and and all these people and getting these appointments to to show our portfolios and it was an amazing exciting time like we went and saw Abby Takuli at um 
MTV, who's the guy that did that created Beavis and Butthead. Wow. And um, and like we went to Rolling Stone and Cosmopolitan magazine, and it was really with like all sorts of different responses, but it was really exciting time. And um, and the last day, we the day that we left, we had to leave at 3 p.m. And one of our tutors had said to me and a friend of mine, you guys, if you get a chance, should go out to Coney Island. And he'd been there in the 70s as a punk. And wow. just when it was really rough and, you know, a bit dire and just loved it and just really found something there. And so we were just like, okay, cool. Yeah, we'll see if we can get there. And then the last, the, the evening before the Friday night that we left at 3 p.m., we were invited to Society of Illustrators and there was a lot of drinking. Somebody ended up going off, somebody ended up going off to hospital to have their stomach punked. Oh, it was shit. it was so, you know, just the, the bad student things that happen. Yeah. And, um, but my friend and I like, didn't drink that much and the next morning we got up at six we got the the first train out to Coney Island and um we arrived there for eight it was Memorial Day which is like a big um what's the word it's like it's like the start of the season I suppose and nothing open till midday so and it was really warm and sunny and we had throwaway disposable cameras um because we ran out of film Mm. so we kept buying disposable cameras from the from the little shops there and just shot all these photos of all these rides that were about to be open but were closed down and so and a lot there were a lot of vacant lots there and a lot of um old amusements that were just left to rot so we got all these amazing photos and felt really inspired and then really didn't want to leave got the plane home but knew that we'd kind of left new york having found something really amazing mm-hmm. and then i went back so that was 2002 i went back like 2004 2008 2011 but I would only ever go for one day because I was never in New York for more than sort of three four five days at a time and then I'd always kind of gone one day I will go to New York for a few months I'll get a studio on the beach at Coney Island and I'll just paint and it was just one of those dreams that you kind of go and then a few years ago I was sort of like I should just stop talking about doing this stuff and just do it Mm. and so and what with crowdfunding and all of that kind of stuff now and I'd already done a successful uh, crowdfunder to back uh, printing up my playing cards okay. I just thought it, and I didn't need to raise much money for that I was just thought I just thought this is really ambitious but I'm going to do it I'm going to set a deadline of like two years to make the money start saving put up the kickstarter got the money together and went for three months and spent the whole I didn't actually stay in Coney but I, I stayed up a little bit further up into Brooklyn in a really nice artist loft and just went down there every day and took loads of Polaroids did lots of drawing and then I went back again this summer for two months um for the same thing and and probably because last year was like the official residency I think I probably put more pressure on myself um but this time because I was just doing other work and stuff as well I just kind of went crazy filled a whole full sketchbook and no pressure sort of thing I was drawing on the subway and just couldn't couldn't leave it alone and I honestly have not had that for years where I I'd like I'd got to the stage I've just started a traveling sketchbook there so that I do have something in my handbag that if I want to draw I can but I'd gone through years of just not really doing that just being too busy with other stuff and you know not making enough time mm. it's very easy to get caught up in. isn't it in your commissions yeah. and I've got, we're lucky to be doing that but at the same time it's sometimes you have to step back and remember why you wanted to do this in the first place oh, and yeah, totally. that is exactly the sort of project that you do dream about when you're mm-hmm. studying or you know it's why you do it in the first place yeah I think you always have to strive for that it's very easy to lose sight of it definitely. in the face of mortgages and whatever else you know definitely but definitely you, you know, we're, we're lucky to be living in a time when you can do that now oh, so, totally. so with the crowdfunding who um 
like you know, the kind of people that supported you with that was that other creatives that would get on board with this? Do you know what it was? A lot of it was my own network, um, sort of friends, family, and friends of friends, things like that. But I did have like a few random people who I had no connection to whatsoever, and they were like, "Oh, you know, I'm I'm a fellow artist from Melbourne. I just stumbled across your Kickstarter, and I and I put a hundred dollars on it. Wow! And and I was just like, and they were like, you know, and a lot of people were like, I don't really expect a reward because I'd offered things, mm. and um, and I'd always sort of be like I'd rather send you something because what you've done for me is a huge thing and um but yeah I was absolutely overwhelmed by like how kind people were and I think what what resonated with people the people that backed me that weren't creators with the, was the fact that I was going this has been my dream mm-hmm. and I really really want to do this and you know I really want to achieve this dream and and a lot of those people sort of said look I will always back somebody that has a dream in achieving that and I, I thought that was so so wonderful and such a, a human touch that came across from yeah, all different that's, sort a, of that's people. brilliant isn't it yeah. that's really good to know because the thing is it's like it's really interesting I've, I've only ever used crowdfunding once when we ran a charity campaign and we, we, we got quite well supported with it and we made enough money to make a charity album mm-hmm. um, but what tends to be the more successful things are these kind of really uh, really personal um, explicit honest projects where someone's mm. gone I've got a dream or, or, or this is what I would like to do or I've got this quirky idea that, yeah. and they're the ones that people flood for and kind of go oh, you know I think almost there's there's so much kind of charity stuff around now that some people fall deaf to some of it and, and yeah. then, so when there's a, a really quirky something different something that's so personal people seem to connect with it in, in, much, in a much more sincere way you know? yeah. it's, um, so that's brilliant so so what so what were the sort of the kind of um, rewards you would offer through the the crowdfunding campaign? So I tried to I tried to use because I have I've got loads of merch and stuff that I print and and I had the playing cards from the last crowdfunder I still had some of those, um, and I did stuff like so I had a lot of things that I could offer as and I think I the the cheapest donation five pounds whatever was postcard sent from Coney Island, mm. um, and loads of people chose that actually. Um, and and some people put more, like donated more, but just wanted the postcard and that was it, sort yeah, of thing. Because that's that's so, a piece of the moment. That's oh, a, totally, time, isn't it? Totally. Yeah. And I think I sent something like thirty postcards, like on the <laughs> like I was like a week in, I was like, I better not forget to do this. I better send all those postcards out. So, um, what but a yeah, idea. really nice. Yeah. yeah. And then I, um, what else did I have on there? T-shirts and things. And then one of the rewards was, I think, for a certain amount of money, you could have a portrait of yourself or somebody in your family or whatever different sizes mm. and then uh, and then there was another one that was like for 500 quid or whatever I'll just pretty much create whatever you want custom made artwork yeah. sort of thing and um, and yeah and I was surprised that people did actually I didn't think I would have as because just because of I just didn't think people would back me at that kind of money but a few people did which was amazing yeah. And, and it was almost a bit like people that had gone, oh, I thought about buying a piece of your work for ages, sort of went, well, this will be the time to do it, because you actually, you know, it's sort of almost yeah. like reaching out and going, I actually do need the money. Yeah. People going, okay, I'm going to make that decision to buy something from you now, yeah. and that helps you out. Yeah. yeah, that's fascinating stuff. And I'm, I, I really, I've never been, and I'm going to go this time when I'm in New York, to Coney mm. Island. Um, I hope you're not disappointed. Uh, and nobody that I've spoke to has been. But. I don't think I will be. I mean, <laughs> I, I, even, I love like the crappy uh, British seaside resorts mm. because of, I've got such an appreciation from being there as a kid. Yeah. Um, I mean, as a kid, it is still, even Blackpool was a wonderland as a kid, you <sighs> know? Blackpool's so um, good now, though. It's so, yeah. so much bigger than Coney Island. Yeah. Because so much of Coney Island has just been destroyed over the years because it's so New York beachfront, yeah. I think, is part of it. Um, 
it's not been developed, but that doesn't stop developers trying to buy it, it out from underneath the, you know, the amusement people. And the only thing stopping it from getting completely overhauled is the fact that it's still zoned for amusements and not for residential. Oh, is that right? So until there's somebody in the city changes that, okay. it will always be there. But I, 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 you know, I think everyone fears that one day yeah, it will happen. Yeah, that'd be a sad thing. It would be a really sad Stay thing. Stay the times, isn't it? Everything's becoming parking lots and, oh, and flats. So much so. But I mean, just going to Vienna last week, which I did to go and see the Klimt and the Egon Schiele and the Hunterwasser and mm. all the art stuff... I stumbled upon there's an enormous amusement park called the Prater, which I had never heard about, in the middle of a park in Vienna, and it's where The Third Man was filmed, the Orson Welles film with the big wheel. Um, And it was enormous, and I was just like, I ran around taking photos of everything. And and again, when I went to Blackpool last year, I was like, this is so much bigger than Coney Island. I'd read this, because I used to go to Blackpool as a kid as well, Mm. but I hadn't been back for years. And you always remember things being bigger when you were smaller. So, yeah, but I was surprised. And I think in a way, like Coney Island was the model for all these other things like Dreamland in Margate and the two lunar parks that are in Melbourne and Sydney and all these other places. But all those others thrive more than Coney, really. And and it's it's lost a lot. But then the last few years has been more investment. New Park has opened. It's coming back, but it's a lot of the old kind of nostalgic parts of Coney Island have gone there's still some of them there yeah but um yeah. but a lot of the good stuff has gone unfortunately it's just they're just worlds apart aren't they they really are kind of fantasy lands but if you've got the eye for it as an adult then they remain that I mean a lot of people kind yeah. of they get old and it's just something they forget about I think yeah. stop being children I think that's sad Totally, um, I fully agree. You know, I, I don't ever want to grow up apart from when I need to pay a bill or whatever, <laughs> or whatever I'm required to do by society. It's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the rest of the time, I just, oh, you know, all this stuff. I mean, we're, we're, sat, we're, we're, we're sat in a room and there's Thundercats uh, toys on a shelf and loads of like, Batman with the purple uh, mask and Star Wars. I, I love it. I just, I immediately get excited when I see these things. Oh, and me too. Now, I Especially because I think it's also because we're quite the same generation. Yeah. So those toys totally. I came in from the pub last night and I was like, is that for your nephew? That box of Lego that's sitting there. It's like it's like the the thousand piece multicolor oh, box. Yeah. And and he's like, no, it's mine. They opened it up and there's Brilliant. all bits built in there. And stuff. Yes. So have a play if you want. Yeah. Like, oh, the bricks with the faces on. I, I know. About those. <laughs> I know. It's so good. Can't wait till my nephew's old enough for Lego. He's Duplo at the moment, but Lego will be like a whole new ball game. Yeah. So good. <laughs> yeah. So just to touch on briefly, your role at Illustration Limited, um, because I, um, you know, I get asked invariably by all students whenever I do lectures or go and yeah. teach at university, it's about about agents and getting agents. And I always I always talk fondly of Illustration Limited. We've always had a good and, a, and an increasingly better relationship, you know, doing this, this show for them and, and they've really supported me with the book and, Commissions are getting, you know, getting better all the time, which is exciting. Um, and I, I love, you know, like Harry Lyon Smith, who's a director. I think he's such a character and open-minded yeah. to good ideas, and and always looking to move forward. So tell us about your role at the, at the agency, and and you know how, how you go about that selection process in such a vast talent pool. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I started off at the agency um, more on the and when we still had printed portfolios and they used to go out on bikes um and I started off doing that and it sort of gradually emerged that I would look at the submissions that came in via post and then of course we started the more of the online process things started arriving by email and I just sort of naturally started to take more of that role and um and so yeah so I we get thousands of submissions literally um but we also I also go out and scout and sort of keep my eye on 
various different sources both on the internet I try and you know sort of get out to shows and things as well Mm. um a a lot of word of mouth as well a lot of people recommend artists to me um and um and yeah so it's quite it's really exciting role it's really exciting to be that person that um goes to an artist that we've that has has potentially um applied to us to go to them and sort of go okay we're going to offer you a place and and the and when you've just not just made that person's day it's like a huge part it's Massive. a huge part on their path yeah. to becoming a, a, a commercial artist that's getting it's paid a huge for what they step do forward. and it and often it takes time i mean in my case i mean you you know you were the person that got in touch with me and said you mm. know would you be interested in becoming a part of the agency <laughs> and you know i spent the year before you know like hitting, knocking on the doors yeah. and, and danny and i always spoke highly of you guys i think you've been with you about two years at the time and, and yeah. putting a good word to a few people and um you know with hindsight i was barely ready when i did get taken on so i certainly wasn't yeah. ready in the run-up to that but i remember actually i was it's a bit naughty but i was at traffic lights in a preston city council transit van <laughs> working as a recycling officer and I sort of checked my emails when it was I was in a bit of a queue at a red light and yeah. uh, I had to pull over it was like oh. fuck it was like I saw your name and I saw the first couple of lines started shaking it was like oh that's so and sweet and at that point I got, you know I'd got a couple of uh, I got a couple of commissions in uh, off my own back and got you know got got started but I'd, I'd gone back to work part-time for the agency um sorry for the council at that point um just to pay the bills and you know yeah. so that was it was a, it was a huge a huge endorsement and a friend put it to me at the time that it is the sort of artistic equivalent or at least in the illustration agency it's the equivalent of getting signed to a, a decent record label it totally is, you yeah. know? It's, yeah. a, it's a recognition of talent and it's someone saying we're going to work with you to develop yeah yeah and hopefully it's, it can be mutually beneficial and it certainly has worked out that way yeah. for me so I, I completely know that feeling um, oh that's great so it's funny though isn't it because it's like it is exactly as you described but at the same time you've got the you've got the record deal but you haven't necessarily got the hit of course and yeah. that's that's a massive part of it as well because i i joined as an artist um before i came on board as the as to help with portfolios and as a talent scout um and the first year was really hard like i think because my style is so different and particularly back then was like really just like not that's illustration was not popular the stuff that was selling was much more cartoons and uh, sort of realistic and mm. kind of 3d and a little bit of the of the original sort of digital stuff that that started to be around when the, the digital illustration age came about um, and my work just didn't look like any of it and I think a lot of clients found it really strange and then equally there would be art directors that got really excited about it put it forward and their clients would be scared to death to <laughs> use it so I had some really interesting jobs but it took a while to really get that it took me three years really before I was getting enough work for the agencies agency to sort of really guarantee me a place I think yeah and they were really really good with me and encouraged me and me too. gave me lots of yeah. advice and it, it's invaluable really isn't yeah, it that's it yeah. I, I remember getting a call from Juliet on the agency once um, and we had a we had a chat and she said you know do you, do you think he's working for you you know we've been doing mm-hmm. this sort of two years now and you've there's been ebbs and flows going on but um do you think you'd be better suited to, to another agency? And, and and at the time, I panicked and thought, oh, God, am I, is this it? Yeah. Am I being dropped? And, yeah. and it completely wasn't. It was just, we just wanted to gauge how I felt about it yeah. and, and, and tell me how it looked from their side. And, and I said, Look, give me six months. It's really on the upturn. I've turned some technical corners and there are commissions that I am holding back once they're live and I can put them in my portfolio. I really think it will attract a whole new audience. Yeah. I said, brilliant, okay, yeah, we'll, yeah. Do, we'll do that. You know, yeah. talk in six months, we'll reassess. I was like, okay, brilliant. So they weren't, they weren't sacking me, you know? It was no, like, of course. And it wasn't that at all. And they were completely brilliant and honest with me. And um, and sure enough, six months later, it didn't blow up by any stretch, but it certainly, there was certainly an increase in work and I, and yeah. I got more confident. And, and they've always been a team that I can approach 
uh, at any point and talk. You know, that's how this thing came about. Yeah. Like a coffee with Harry, got chatting before we know we're doing a podcast together. Because yeah. he's that kind of guy who's... Who's, he knows that you know you can never stop listening to people's ideas. Oh, and, totally. Uh, he's, uh, Harry's really, he's always been great with t- not just technology, but with just watching how things are developing in, in the mm. industry. And he, they, I think Illustration Web was the first to get full online portfolios and the first to have high-resolution images. Yeah. And, and he likes to be ahead of the game in that sense. Mm. And I think that's that's so valuable when it's um, when it's applied to yeah. an agency full of artists. And he's so um, technically business-minded as well, which yeah. is really important to have. So we're, we're really lucky in that Com- sense. Yeah, thing. completely. It's a great, it's a yeah. really lucky to be a part of it, yeah. Um, so what uh, what's going on for you at the moment and have you got any interesting projects you can tell us about or anything coming up I um when I get back so obviously both of us are in New York next week when I get back to Australia I've got about a week to get all of my stuff together and then I'm doing the other art fair in Sydney um, I did used to exhibit my work quite a bit mm. once I moved to Australia but I found in the last few years having done pick me up um, in London that my the best place for me to do that is at graphic arts and arts fairs because instead of getting maybe if you're lucky 50 to 100 people on private view opening night um, and then a filter trickle of people coming through the following weeks you're getting thousands over like three days so it's taking you less time um, to you dedicating less time to it and you're getting a much better overturn of of people looking at your work and so many people go away knowing your work that yeah. didn't know it before yeah. um so that's that's the way i've been doing things and this this is a new one i normally do supergraph in melbourne um and i had some work at pick me up again this year and some of the stuff i sent one of the print runs sold out and one of the scarf runs sold out as well Brilliant. so it yeah. does seem to be the right place for yeah. me to do that so for this one I'm turning my Coney Island sketchbook, which is all unfinished drawings, into a giant colouring in wall and asking oh, wow. the people of Sydney to come and help me finish it off. That's so, incredible. Yeah. yeah it must so be really exciting. It's really exciting. I've just, but the only thing is the fabric that I've printed it on, and I, I get clothing as well, as well from this great um, place at University of East London called FabPad. Mm. And um, they just sent it to, it's at my mum's, so I'll pick it up on my way back to New York. So I haven't seen it yet, so I'm dying to get oh, into wow. it and open it up. Because yeah. it's like three metres by one and a half metres on, on sort of a, a, cat, a, a satin canvas, I think it is. So, um, and I'm hoping that um, there's going to be a sponsor on board that will provide us with pens so that I don't have to go out and buy them all. So fingers crossed. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be great. So how that been then transitioning into into actually seeing your work on on so sort of from being I guess inspired by fashion to actually making fashion it's like you know your clothing looks incredible um, I, I think it's great I, I love it I, do you do men's t-shirts I, I have got do you know not what? that it would stop me if they were like, <laughs> anyway I've but, got like a, I have got a run of unisex ones that I just screen printed ones I've got a few left so I shall yeah. show shall show you them later but the only thing for me is I always do really limited runs which is partly. Um, because it costs a lot to mass mm. produce, but mainly because the main reason is living in Australia, everybody is very eco-conscious and very. There's a big push for Australian made, Australian owned, mm-hmm. Australian produced, and um, and they're very aware of fast fashion. And you don't really get those kind of real fast fashion brands in Australia so much that you know. You, you we've, I think everybody heard of that awful scandal about that. Um, the factory that collapsed in Bangladesh mm. and all those people died. Yeah, it's horrible. So also because I don't want to be on board with any of that, so I, I tend to produce stuff 
um, in Britain or in Australia. Uh, but because it's so expensive, I only ever do small runs. But the benefit of that is that whoever's buying it is getting something totally unique. Yes, they're paying a they're bit more, but yeah. you know, it's really special. You know, not everyone's going to be wearing it. Yeah. And uh, makes me different. And I just did a collaboration with. Did you ever work with Maria Cardelli? She used to be that. She used to be our rep in New York before Stacey came on board no, with us. No, I never did. No. no, and she's a fashion illustrator and designer. And she's just launched a collection of like accessories, handbags, scarves, and things. And um, and just did a whole run of printing that was all done in Italy. On I've got some. I'll show you on silk scarves, which are gorgeous. Wow. Yeah. So that was just so lovely to be asked to do that. Um, and I think that had come from her seeing the stuff yeah. that I was producing. So yeah, so, yeah. I mean, your stuff's so unique, and and you you're absolute nail on the head with the limited runs. It's like I'm looking at doing some t-shirt runs recently, and I've actually been working with my girlfriend Laura, who's just set up a business called Little Birds Talk, and it's like all bird themed um, kind of tote bags and pencil cases and she's but she's very much learning but really loving it um the creative side of it so in the meantime while she's building her own style she said have you thought about putting your stuff on products and i never had yeah. and i said yes and no i would like to do it but for the same reasons the, the cost for one um, yeah. in, in mass producing is, is kind of unrealistic at this point but more importantly i'm a big believer in in you know that mystique and keeping it special and, and mm. making sure that every person who invests in, in something of mine that's only going to exist in that amount of, of runs, you know. Yeah. I'm always producing new work, so why not keep that, keep it fresh and keep exactly, it going and, and exactly. make sure that, you know, okay, I missed that one, but there's going to be stuff coming up soon. Oh, totally. Otherwise, if suddenly you're everywhere, you're blanketed, it's, it's like, well, I'll get it next week or whatever. Yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah. No, I'm the same. I, I've been printing stuff on silk dresses and part of it is because I kind of want to, you know, I'll make six and I'll wear one. Of course <laughs> you do, yeah. And if you don't want to wear it, then what's that saying about well, your exactly, brand, you know? Well, exactly, yeah. You're not, if you're not interested in it yourself. And, and yeah, and I did, when I put all of these out, they sold quite quickly in Melbourne. And I was like, ah, oh, I better keep a couple for me because, and, you know, people are like, well, you could print them again. It's like, well, no, then it's not it's not unique. And yeah. by the time I come to do that, I'll have other artworks that I would far rather go, oh, let's totally. see what this one looks like. Yeah. yeah. There's something to be said about the special attraction. I think it applies to a lot, a lot of areas, you know? Yeah. yeah it's great. So it's, I was in Blackpool recently and um, I just, the, all the old, as, as bad as some of it is, all the old arcade machines and takeaways oh, and things, so it's, it's just got a life of its own that you cannot, you can't oh, design totally. that, you can't replicate no, that. It's no. just, uh, it, it's almost a living thing in its own right. And uh, Oh, definitely. Yeah. Just, oh. It's just sort of the way things go up and come down. And, and I think there's something about seaside resorts. I don't know if it's the salt air that just ages all of the paint and the lettering yes. well. Like I love what happens to red paint yeah. it, as it decays. It sort of goes like pink bits in it. And so there must be something in red, red pigment paint. Yeah. But you really see that in Coney Island, you see it in Blackpool. And yeah, it's Yeah, it's I look forward to, to sort of getting into Coney Island and just comparing the two as well. Yeah, you know? it's I, small, I, but I it is amazing. I was chatting to Danny about that again recently to keep bringing him up. He, um, he's been a photographer and an illustrator. He's completely anal about his colour palettes and to the point where he's got these like spider devices that he puts on his monitors to make sure everything <laughs> like on the nose oh, cal- calibration. Chad and, uh, does that as well yeah. with his photographs. <laughs> and if he, ever, if he ever sees a job come to print that's even marginally off, he loses his yeah. mind. It's hilarious. Oh, bless. And, um, and I was talking to him about that once and, I, and I, we were walking somewhere I forget and I pointed something out and I said I think it was in Blackpool and I said why why does that colour palette work like I've tried that in my illustrations and mm-hmm. it, it doesn't mm-hmm. seem to work like, I think there were reds and greens all together in there and he said it's naturalisation and it's probably this what you said about this, the 
sea salt yeah, and, and that yeah. process of you know you said once it's been out in the in the oxygen for so, yeah. so long it yeah I don't I don't know what that exactly means actualization yeah. but it, it does kind of decay just into looking right where yeah, it is you yeah know? This, just, this combination of the sun sun and the rain and all the other elements yeah. that it's exposed to just make yeah. it and fairgrounds yeah. just get battered don't they at seaside oh. so that, well, we're better to, to sort of assess that and I think I think it's quite a British thing as well like we grew up going to the local fair on bank holiday yeah you know that was oh, my dad didn't like fairs. it very much but oh really nasty fairs and my mum <laughs> my mum used to sort of sneak us out in the holidays because my dad really did not you just thought fairs were from awful carny people and like really I don't yeah. know why he was like, I think it was because my my gran had a friend that ran a fair in, in Pitmere Lake which is near Northwich and um and I only found that out recently so I wonder if there's something to do that's something to do with it I don't know but but he actually really loved Coney Island when he came to visit last year wow. it was his first time out of Europe to, and yeah. he came to New York wasn't interested in the city just wanted to lie on the beach at Coney and have a beer so wow. he was pretty Brilliant. happy that's really cool yeah. I saw my mum get escorted out with one of the uh, amusement arcades when I was a kid in Blackpool <gasps> for kicking the, the two pence like nudge shelf machines to try and like, tip it over she like was that frustrated she was like I'll just, just give it a quick yeah, and, it, and the alarm went off and my dad was like oh god like, what are you doing and like <laughs> and there's you know matching two kids I'm like yeah come on just leave Brilliant. And I'm like, I'll never forget that and it's oh, just oh <laughs> that's hilarious naughty <laughs> Um, yeah, so all in. She loves it. She loves her fairs. And uh, I'd love to. I'd like to see a book of all the the shockingly bad kind of spray paint artwork you see on the you know on the rides themselves when they do like Simpsons characters or uh, whoever the about? whoever the latest celebrity yeah. is. And then and then you see them and it's like ten years ago and like that those people are so out of date now. It's so <laughs> like funny. Brian Harvey. Yeah, they've kicked really one badly. Ear, we haven't got the place for the other one or something. Yeah. <laughs> I went to very Kingsbridge in Devon recently that there was lo- there was a really bad t- like nineties t- Tina Turner that was just it, I wasn't. So Certain if it was her at first, and I was just like, "Oh no, it's it, who else can it be placed <laughs> next to like Pavarotti and like it oh, was just wow. like an early nineties bad." That's but so there good. is a book that Vicky told me about actually that I I've, have meant I don't think the alarm has gone off on the Kickstarter thing that I put an alarm on to remind me before it runs out. But it's a book that somebody a designer is writing about the, the history of the Walser, and there's a lot of oh, that wow. of that art on the back oh, of Walser in the photos that he showed yeah. in the Kickstarter. So I have to I'm going to go and look I'll it up have and to look that up, yeah. back that because I so <laughs> want a copy of that. Amazing, that's tremendous. All right, and so the last thing I always do on the sh- on the show is I call this little section the shark in the tank because my favourite artwork is Damien Hirst's um, physical impossibility of death in the mind of someone living. There's a huge, t- I just it blows my mind. And um, so I always ask someone to name, and I know it's difficult because it's like your favourite album or your favourite film. It always changes. But what's what's something that, that kind of really inspires you? And it can, absolutely any sort of creative output. It can be an album. It could be a film. It could be just something you've seen in the street. Anything at all that's kind of could be classed as a creative work what, what does it have to be just one thing not necessarily i mean i mean uh, on on danny's show he named uh, lighting in film as, as, his, as, yeah. as his kind of something that he always watches and loves and gets inspired by so i don't know you know it can be as quirky as you want with it it's completely up to you i would say apart from all the things we've discussed pro- i would say probably my biggest influence is film yeah. um but specifically probably the films of john waters okay so have you seen you must have seen some so the early <laughs> ones are like pink flamingos uh female trouble like really kind of they sort of created a whole new genre in that they were really shocking and really like you know people were appalled by them when they came okay. out and oh, um, and um but i think and then the the newer stuff is is less sort of risque in the middle period he did a film called polyester 
um, where in the cinemas they had, um, I'm trying to think what they're called, odorama cards. So you would, when you sat down in your seat, you'd get this card and like at certain points in the film, a number one would flash up and you'd scratch off number one and it was like a scratch and sniff. Yeah. So you'd get like whatever scent was and it was hilarious. And actually my, my housemate in New York and I watched it recently, he still had the odorama card in the DVD. So, oh, wow. Which is really cool. But some of them are like, some of them are like roses and chocolate and then there's like pizza and then there's like fart smell. <laughs> And just like really, 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 really bad. Like I think anything goes with him, and like his early stuff was really colourful and really like he totally pioneered bad acting, yeah. like really over the top, like people that couldn't act but were like mm. really sort of trying their very best to like be really, you know. And anyway, it was I don't know. I just think they're they're so bad and trash. Like they, I think his nickname is the Pope of Trash. Wow, so what a his stuff is awesome, and I've been and seen him talk. Actually, I got I got his book signed a few years ago. It's when he did a a film um, series at Sydney Opera House, and he actually the first thing he and I was really you know you just like you know you shouldn't meet your idols because yeah. you know it's gonna be heartbreaking if they like, are really rude to you or whatever. And the, the first thing he said to me was like, "Wow, that's a great outfit," and I was like, <gasps> "John <laughs> So yeah, but his stuff is just brilliant. And I think coming across that quite early on in my career, I was just like, oh, there's no rules then, is there? Like, there's really no Absolutely rules. Absolutely not, no. Yeah. I thought you got to break them. Yeah, oh, definitely. <laughs> I think you've got, to, you've got to know him and you've got to sort of, you've got to go through the process to get there. But I think once you're into into the swing of things and you've yeah. found what you want to do, you can totally go, go yeah. and break all the rules. The pop of yeah. trash. I almost want to. I almost want to see like the Rainbow Crusader versus the Pope of Trash. No, that just the that marketing. Might have to the, be marketing for that. the marketing. The <laughs> marketing. <laughs> it's an animated film. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> right after the chat with Sarah, um, we headed out into Central London to go down to the Illustration uh, Illustration Limited sort of quarterly drinks that we all get together, all the artists, and everyone meets up and and sees how everyone's doing and. It was incredible because I had quite a rascal shirt on myself and Sarah's attire always catches the eye and I, I just, I love the smile it puts on people's faces when people say the bright colours and the audacity in some of the, the clothing that Sarah wears and it's a real, it's a real inspiration and a joy to see it and I have to admit in the sort of, in the time that's lapsed since we had our chat I've acquired a number of quite frisky shirts from various boutiques and uh, vintage shops much to my girlfriend's disdain but there you go and <laughs> that's what London's all about just being your absolute self and uh, really cool to hear some of Sarah's stories about working out in Australia and, and what influence that has had on her work and I think there's a lot to learn for anyone who's, who's heading out all over the world um, I'm going to be heading over to Belarus in the next couple of weeks to my very first solo show which is called Know What I Mean, number one, uh, Everyday Ghosts. And that's a celebration of found objects, captured moments, and just the little things in our streets every day that you know, give them so much soul, so much character. Uh, but the things that, coincidentally, people overlook and walk past on their, you know, when they're in their daily bubbles. So no idea how that's going to go. Never been to Belarus before. If I'm honest, not somewhere that I really had on my map, but suddenly uh, there it is and I'm hearing a lot of good things about the place so can't wait to report on that may even have something to bring back from the trip for the show who knows so give us your feedback on Sarah I hope you took a lot from that she's a a superb uh, individual and I really hope it's inspired people to go out and look for you know for their true self in a creative in a creative style because it's what it's what it's all about 
and there's no one better right now to go and investigate than Sarah Beetson. So um, give us your feedback on the Twitter at Arrest All Mimics. Uh, go and check out just some of the amazing talent that Sarah's brought to Illustration Limited over on the website at illustrationweb.com and follow them on the social channels. I'm sure you'll see a lot of Sarah's stuff popping up in amongst all that stuff. Um, being one of the represented artists on the agency also. Um, and can't wait to hear what you guys all think. We've got some more amazing guests coming up in the near future, creating a real range at the moment. And again, always excited about people's suggestions or why you know telling me why they should be on the show. I've had quite a lot of that recently. So get yours in. You know, I don't care whether you're a student, a graduate. I don't really care what you're doing. If it's in the arts and it's interesting and it's individual and it's yours, then I'm willing to have a look. So hit us up. Thank you very much, guys.